Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. After two decades of producing the world's most chefy foods, the three Michelin star restaurant Noma is to close at the end of next year. Someone who was worshipped at that altar many times is JP McMahon, owner of the Michelin starred Anir restaurant in Galway. JP, good afternoon to you. How are you, Sean? Uh, now, 20 years it's been on the go. Has it changed over those two decades? Oh, certainly, yeah. I think at the outset it was very much um, looking at, or I suppose looking at, I suppose, wild and foraged foods in in Denmark and really exploring that. <clears throat> and then it has ended up, I suppose, as a, as a, as a laboratory for, for flavour in terms of investigating different types of mould and uh, funguses and all the, the ways in which these these contribute uh, flavour to, to different things. So, yeah, it has changed quite uh, quite dramatically uh, in some respects. In some respects, its ethos is still the same. I mean, there's, they're, they're kind of champions of local food and, and they very much were spearheaded that and were very influential for us opening in an air. Right, OK. And would they have been the first or among the first who would only serve you something that was in season and wasn't flown any distance? Like I suppose it's it it that's it, it's quite difficult to answer that because you could say Myrtle Allen was doing that in the nineteen sixties in Ireland because there was no other option, <laughs> and so you could say in in the twenty first century they were the first to kind of take a, a new look at this and it, 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 what went before them was Spanish molecular gastronomy which influenced Hess and Blumenthal and all of that and everything was very very sciency and uh, technical and they went kind of out into the fields and said oh well, look here's a wild strawberry why don't we put this on the plate and and because they became so famous this kind of gave uh um uh i suppose the 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 rite of passage for so many other restaurants around the world including an ear but many many farm to table restaurants that said why don't we do this in our own in our own backyard yeah and so but what were they doing that was so spectacular that they were you know year after year they were the world's top re- restaurant or close to it like i mean it's a combination of being in the right place at the right time and then also the resources, the creativity of the the chef patron, René Verzeppi, the people he had around them. There's like, there's there's so many different factors. Um, The fact that the Danish government as well put so much money into the promotion of Danish food in the early noughties and uh, tourists started to flock to Copenhagen just for food. And they actually, uh, I think the Financial Times wrote an article on Nomonomics and it was the the economics of, because people, because so many people were going to Noma that it was increasing the the GDP. Hmm. So, if you go to no man, people still have until the end of next year of doing that. What happens and how much does it cost? Um, I'll be there in two weeks time again for, I don't know, the sixth or seventh time. And uh, it's, I mean, I think it's like a food opera of sorts and some dishes are are absolutely out there. You could be have a, a duck, a brain of a duck inside the head of a duck and you're eating, it's been grilled and popped back in for you. I know other dishes could be something as simple as clams and tomatoes, in a, put in a very, very refined way. I mean, they have nearly 100 staff for 100 patrons. Uh, so like their their staff to um, customer ratio is is probably in the unsustainable uh, range. And that's one of the reasons why they're, they're, they're changing. But like there's a lot of shellfish. I mean, at the moment they have their game season. They, tra- they change the their menu three times a year and it's almost like running three different restaurants three times a year they change the decor and, and everything so it is quite um, 
like quite dramatic. Like I suppose if anyone, it's like the equivalent of going to Disneyland if you're a child. I think. I mean, <laughs> for me, like it's just Mickey Mouse is there in front of you and he's real. You know, that's the, the easiest way to understand when people say, "What's it like?" Yeah. And it does. Yeah, of course, there's a lot of resources and money behind it, and it's not something we can replicate in the west of Ireland. But there's always small things I get going. Do you know what? That's a great idea, and that's a even the fact that their furniture is all made in Denmark and everything is is so localized that I was thinking like it's uh, when we were in the restaurant, I was like, why don't we get local uh, carpenters to make our furniture? It's just something that a lot of this thinking just seems the most basic thing in the world until you go out and look for it, uh, and then you find everything's imported from Italy because you're in the EU and. We don't have a massive furniture industry. Like there's loads and loads of examples like that. Yeah, and so it's it's five hundred quid ahead. So it's everybody. It's, it's five hundred euro excluding excluding wine. Yeah. So it's not. It's it's probably about seven. I don't know seven hundred, and I I'm not too sure. It's it's the most it's the most I ever spent on a on a dinner, and uh, and like look, it's very difficult to get into, and I I go once every two years, or like it's not something I do all the time, and. I, I do. I suppose I do it in the same way that people uh, spend three or four hundred euro on a jacket, and for mm. me that seems crazy. And then people go, "But I have the jacket afterwards. I, I, I'm wearing it." And I, <laughs> I suppose, and I answer saying, "Yeah, you're right." And it's just, yeah, one of those silly things that uh, chefs do and travel around. And there's lots of other uh, individuals called nomaheads that literally follow them around the world and spend vast quantities of money flying them, flying around to to go to the many pop ups they've done all around the world. Yeah. Is it the case then that there again, they top the list of the world's best restaurants. They've done that so many times that they're now ineligible. Yeah, because what happened was the the, the, the places that were first were only coming first because I suppose they were, they were the best. And then they had to create a best of the best list to allow number two to come first sometimes, you know. Mm. I suppose it'd be like the equivalent of whoever is the best football team and they always won the World Cup and then they had to change their the rules. But uh, Thankfully, that doesn't happen in the World Cup, but uh, it's it happens a lot in, in on these lists that the same restaurants top them. So the ones, the previous winners, and uh, now are in a kind of like a all star category, and and it allows for for movement uh, up the list. Uh, and hopefully someday we'll have we have no Irish uh, in the in the top fifty Irish restaurants. So hopefully someday we'll uh, we'll have one. Kevin Thorne was there in ninety five, I think, but that's yeah. a long time ago. And also, you know, they've, they've been doing this for two days. Is the stress worth it? Yeah, like I think that's another thing. I think COVID had a massive impact on the ways in which people who run restaurants realise that, God, this is this is really difficult. And actually, COVID just stopped everything. And you realise, I'm like, do I have to do this? Like, it really made you question, like, why am I going into the kitchen 16 hours a day to produce food for people who are going to just put it into their mouth and go, ah, that's all right. I don't really mm. like that. And you might have had loads of people preparing it so i do think that there's an element in that i also i also think when you're at the very top there's the obligation to keep reinventing yourself and i don't know it, is that a good thing or a bad thing but the necessity in michelin star restaurants is that you 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 feel the need to constantly reinvent yourself which is very unlike a normal restaurant that you have a great dish and you leave the dish on for 25 years and everyone comes in and they love the dish mm. and but then it's i don't know why it is it seems to be built into this the mentality of uh restaurants with michelin stars and 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 we i suppose we look at an ear and we, we try and change it up and change the menu and change the decor and we're always trying to do something new is it for better or worse I'm not, I'm not too sure yeah so for foodies listening after Noma close what exciting prospect is there for the second best restaurant in the world 
Ah, there's there's plenty. And do you know what? I my favorite meal I had last year was a ham and cheese toasty in Loose Cannon. And um, <laughs> and I and I ate all over the world. I ate in like and because sometimes like it doesn't have to be the most expensive thing, but there's loads of others geranium in Copenhagen, there's Massimo Batores in Italy, there's a place in Peru. There's like there's so many different places uh, but it is about traveling and 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 i suppose we realized with covid and also with like in terms of sustainability flying around the world just to eat in restaurants is probably not the most sustainable practice to do all mm. the time so yeah. i do think it's a luxury that we should try and i mean i'll keep an eye on you know i'm not saying not to do it but like doing it like six or seven times a year is certainly not not going to help the planet now, Anoma's going to, uh, or it's already, I think, begun that process of kind of transforming itself into a food lab. So d- does that actually mean a lot of restaurants will be will be using uh, products that, that Noma are producing? Yeah, probably. We've actually, I had, the, they make a kind of smoked uh, mushroom sauce. Um, and I they actually had a bottle and I used it once or twice. It's a tiny little bottle. And uh, it's, it's a very wonderful product. And I, I think COVID actually propelled that kind of, idea of restaurants producing things and i do think more restaurants um have started doing it and will continue to do it because it's another avenue of uh, of income like uh, how they will replace i mean if it's 500 euro a night and they do 100 people like 50 grand of food a night selling uh, selling um sauces I'm, i don't know but i mean i'm i don't do the economics of it and they have a very uh, broad uh, clientele all around the world so perhaps they've done the economics and said yeah we can we can work this but um it, it remains to be seen and uh, we, we 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 will see yeah. Uh, finally, uh, JP, have you seen The Bear uh, on Disney Plus? I, and- I, I haven't yet. No, and uh, <laughs> my friend is actually the producer on it, um, ah. and I just still haven't. And he was actually his job was to actually train the actors to talk like chefs, um, and uh, to really talk. And but I do. I mean, I think I was saying to your researcher, like I, I embrace the cynicism and the satire that comes with the industry and the menu as well, because I think sometimes, I mean, as Irish people, I think we understand that. And I always say to people, yes, it's fine dining and it's expensive, but it's not life or death. We're not saving anyone's life. It's just but but when you get into that mentality where you think it's the only important thing in the world, that then I think you need to take a step back and just laugh at yourself and then go back to making the food because uh, it's life is too short, you know? Yeah, no, it's just I certainly my impression from watching the bear is and it's not a high-end restaurant the main characters come from a high-end restaurant uh, but like the amount of work they have to do and what they put themselves yeah. through you kind of go god save it's got a job in a shop uh, uh, but, but they love what they're doing that's the thing yeah, hundred percent, and it always comes up with the the stagiaires and working in restaurants unpaid. And I mean, I think that happens in many industries. And I I, I think sometimes there's a fixation on on cooking and chefs and programs. And but like I, I think sometimes doing apprenticeships in these places is worthwhile, even if you're spending twelve weeks working for free. I think I've done it, and I think you get a lot out of it. Other people don't agree, but it's uh, I have a friend becoming a solicitor, and I think it's a lot harder to, and a lot more work. <laughs> for free I, I was like geez you're better off in the kitchen but I suppose at the end of the day he'll be the one I'll be going to for advice yeah JP thanks a minute for talking to us today that's uh, JP McMahon there of Anir restaurant in Galway and uh, several other restaurants around the country as well it should be said Moncrief brought to you by Avant Money think you're getting the best value from your bank think again weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.